16. And as I mentioned in Sunday school, there's somewhat of an overlap in what we're talking about here. We talked in Sunday school, for those of you that weren't here, we talked about how that there are those who say that Mark chapter 16 verses 9 through 20 are not actually a part of God's word. Uh, They were added later, but uh, we noticed uh, in our Sunday school hour the evidence that uh, certainly they are uh, a part of God's word, and we're going to treat them as God's word uh, as uh, we have them in our preserved uh, uh, King James Bibles. Uh, and today, we're going to look at the parting words of the Lord here in the end of the chapter, and this will conclude our study. I suppose we could start over and come up with a whole lot more uh, in the book of Mark than we've already looked at, but uh, uh, the Lord willing, after our Bible conference, we'll begin a new study um, uh, the week after that. So uh, this morning, though, uh, finishing up this uh, particular study, uh, we want to look at the parting words of the Lord, and um, uh, we're going to focus on the Lord's uh, last words here to his disciples. Uh, he's going to speak about the requirement of the saints, the responsibility of the sinner, and also the recognition of his servants. And these are the statements that we're going to be focused on this morning. So first of all, the requirement for the saints. We see this in verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, we find here the first uh, part of this is our message. Uh, The disciples were told to preach the gospel. They were to go into the world bearing the good news of salvation to all who would hear it. Uh, The word gospel actually means good news. I think that's something we most of us would know, and uh, that's exactly what the gospel is. It's good news. Uh, The disciples were given a message of good news for all the people. Uh, What was the message? Well, it's clearly articulated by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Uh, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And so you have these three uh, essential components. And if I, uh, you know, we have those here before us, and as I've even given to them, but if I hadn't shown them to you on the the, uh, PowerPoint here, uh, and I would ask you, most of you probably would already... Give me one, two, and three. You would give me those three parts, and that's good. Uh, and uh, but that's important. That's the important part of the gospel. Uh, Christ died for our sins. That's the good news. Uh, Jesus died for the sins of all of those who would believe on Him by faith. Uh, when Jesus went to the cross, He suffered the agony, the shame, and the separation from God. He did not do it for Himself. Uh, he did it for you and for me. Uh, and for those who would believe on him for salvation. And so to be saved, you must believe that. And then that he was buried. That's good news. Uh, After Jesus died, his body was placed in a tomb. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that this would happen. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. It says, As Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9 says, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. That too is according to the scriptures. 
Uh, so when Paul says, according to the scriptures, those are the things he's referring to. In uh, uh, third part, then, is that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that also is good news. Jesus arose from the grave in victory and in power. And when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life for his people. When he died, he cried, it is finished. In that great moment, Jesus was declaring the plan of salvation had been completed and that God was satisfied. When he rose from the dead three days later, God the Father said, Amen. So be it. Uh, if Jesus had been an ordinary man, he would not have come out of that grave. Uh, Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God in the flesh, and when he died, an innocent man was claimed by death. And because he had no sin, death was unable to hold him. He ha it had no claims upon him. And so Jesus was able to walk out of the tomb in victory and in power, promising eternal life for all who would believe on his name. You say, well, that's a pretty basic message. That's the gospel. It's not really that complicated, is it? And yet people all over this world are rejecting it. They say, well, Jesus was, really wasn't God. Uh, he really didn't die. He didn't really raise again, uh, you know, be, arose again. He, those things are just myths. The Bible, you know, and if you, and if you preach the Bible, you teach the Bible, uh, you're just telling people uh, things that they... They, they sh shouldn't really uh, believe. But that's the message that we've been given to preach. That's the message we've been given to, to let others know the good news that Jesus Christ loved the world so much that he gave his only, uh, uh, God loves the world so much, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Uh, he gave his life to redeem sinners. It's good news. He forever defeated the devil. You say, well, the devil sure is working today. Yeah, but he's a defeated devil. Uh, you can count on that because that's what the, the Bible tells us. It's good news that he rose from the dead to give salvation to all who believe in him. And if you've believed that message, then you need to sit, share it with someone else. And I challenge you with that. If you've not believed that message, I challenge you to look to Jesus by faith today and be saved. So that's our message, our mission field. Find that also in this verse 15. The disciples were to take the, the good news, go ye into what? All the world. No place was off limits. No people was left out. Uh, it did not matter how wicked people were. It did not matter where they lived or what they looked like. They were all give, to be given this message. Our mission field is still everywhere there are people. Uh, the phrase, every creature refers to every individual who bears the image of God. Now, that's not your dog, okay? Now, if you want to practice on your dog, that's fine. You know, hey, Fido, you know what it means to be saved? And he'll look at you, and, you know, and cock his head and say, yeah. you know. That's how some people react when you talk to them about the Lord. What? What are you talking about? You know, you can practice on your dog. Now, he might react to you. He might bark at you. He might uh, growl at you. But that's how people respond to the gospel sometimes, too. But your dog's not going to get saved, okay? Just so you know. You see, he's talking about every human being, every creature who bears the image of God. Regardless of their sinfulness, regardless of the color of their skin, or their religious background, 
They're a candidate for the good news. Now, whether we tell the good news across the ocean or across the street, we're to tell it. And when we open our mouths to tell it, or we send our dollars to missionaries so they can tell it where they are, that's called missions, our mission field. Thirdly, we find our method. The Lord's command says, go ye and preach. The phrase, go ye, is a command. It's not a suggestion. Say, well, if you feel like it, go. Uh, If you don't feel like it, don't go. That's not what it is. He says, go ye. It's a command. It's a call to action. We're not to debate it whether or not we're to share the gospel. We just need to go and share it. And the phrase is interesting because it's written in in such a way that it suggests even this, as you go, as you go. Most of us are going, aren't we? We're going people. We go here and we go there. And so he's saying, as you go, preach the gospel. In other words, as you move through life, we're to be in the business of telling the good news to others. Now, we do it two ways. We're to tell it with our lips. That's the clear word from the word preach. That's what it means. An act as a king's herald to proclaim. Uh, We're to take the message of our king to this world with authority and with assurance. Uh, We're to tell them what we know. We're to tell them the message with assurance that we he will empower us to tell the world what he has done for us. The gospel is a message designed to be communicated by speaking. God has chosen preaching as a method of giving his message to a lost world. But you can be that proclaimer as well. So I'm not a preacher. Well, God wants you to be a proclaimer, and he wants you to share the gospel. We're also to tell the story with our lives. That is, we are to live in such a way that lost people around us see the difference in our lives and will know that God has done something for us. You know, the the Lord's command is to his people. Are we doing as a church uh, when it com- what are we doing as, as a church when it comes to carrying out the Great Commission? You know, we have uh, people as a part of our church, and uh, all, all of us are to be missionaries and to be proclaiming the gospel. Are you doing that? Are you intentionally praying about, looking for those opportunities to witness, to share the good news? Are you doing it as an individual when it comes to sharing your faith? The command is, go ye. It's a command for each and every child of God to be active in the business of sharing the good news. So there's the requirement for the saints. The requirement for the saints. Secondly, the responsibility of the sinner, verses 16 and 17. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. Now here's the responsibility uh, of saints to share the gospel of grace. Sinners will have a responsibility when it comes to the gospel. But uh, here the, res- uh, the responsibility is for sinners and it's threefold. First of all, to answer. It says, he that believeth. When a sinner hears the gospel message, that person individually is responsible to believe that message. Now, you can't make them. I can't force people to get saved, 
But that's what their responsibility is, he that believeth. Salvation occurs when a lost sinner hears the good news of salvation, and he's convicted of sin and believes the message that Jesus died for him and rose again from the dead. A sinner believes that message, looks away by faith, and is, is then converted. Salvation is a work of faith in the heart of a lost sinner who looks to Jesus by faith. And then he's transformed by the saving grace and power. And let me stress today that salvation never comes from a person's good works. Never comes by a person's good deeds or his good lifestyle. Neither does salvation come from religion or ritual. Salvation is always by grace through faith. The second thing is not only to answer, but to act. It says, believeth and is baptized. Now this verse is greatly misunderstood. It's greatly misapplied by many who want to add baptism to faith uh, as a condition of salvation. You know, so many people feel that baptism is an essential component of salvation. And yet the, the truth uh, of the matter is, it's far different than that. Let me share with you just a few reasons why I say that it is not teaching here baptismal regeneration. This is not baptismal regeneration. Many scriptures teach us that salvation is by faith alone. The thief on the cross, was he baptized? No, he was not baptized, but Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He was saved. He was assured of his salvation by the Lord. Luke 23, 43. And then the Gentiles who believed in Caesarea were baptized after they believed, according to Acts chapter 10. Jesus himself did not baptize. We're told in John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now that seems strange if salvation uh, comes from baptism, that Jesus would not baptize, but he never did. Paul told the Corinthians he was glad he had only baptized a few of their number, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Surely Paul would have not thanked God for that if baptism was essential for salvation. And so there are nearly 150 passages of, of the New Testament that teach us that salvation is but through faith alone. In the New Testament, baptism is connected closely with the death and the burial. Uh, Romans chapter uh, 6, 1 through 5. It's an emblem of dying to the old life of sin. Faith, on the other hand, is associated with a new birth and new life in Christ. So if Jesus is not talking about being baptized for salvation, then what is he talking about? He's talking about obedience to God. Those who are saved by grace will have a desire to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. They will have a desire to give a clear public witness to their newfound faith. For many, their baptism is their first opportunity to tell a group of people that they've trusted Jesus and that Jesus has saved their soul. You see, the bottom line is this. Jesus is telling his men salvation results in obedience. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our good deeds, but we are saved to work. Baptism is an outward work that speaks of an inward salvation. Baptism is a public testimony of the salvation that occurred by faith when the lost sinner believed on Jesus Christ. And so perhaps there are those here today who you've trusted Jesus Christ, but you haven't been obedient to him in baptism. That's what Jesus is talking about, being obedient to him in baptism. 
So there's to answer, there's to act, and then to accept. He that believeth shall not be damned. Uh, the uh, lost sinner has the opportunity to believe the gospel and be saved. He also has the right to reject the gospel and remain lost in his sin. Uh, the sinner must understand, though, that if he or she rejects Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace, they're going to have to face the consequences of that decision. If a person rejects uh, salvation, is it's offered uh, by God through Christ Jesus, there's no other hope of salvation available for them. You see, Jesus is the only way to get to God. To reject him is to reject forgiveness. It is to reject hope. It is to reject salvation. It is to reject God, Christ, and the Holy Ghost. It's to reject holiness and embrace sin. It's to reject life and embrace death. It's to reject heaven and embrace hell. If you reject Jesus Christ and you refuse to believe in the gospel, you will go to hell. And you'll have no one to blame but yourself. Serious thing to reject what Jesus so lovingly and carefully offers to each one of us. So there's the requirement for saints, there's the responsibility of the sinner, and then there's the recognition of his servants. In verse 17 and 18 it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe, and my name shall, they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and they shall drink uh, any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, they shall lay uh, uh, hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Here, Jesus is ending his words to the disciples by telling them that the signs would follow true believers. Now, the word signs there refers to a token or that which separates. Now, the word means that God will put a difference between his people and the people who remain lost in sin. The word follow means to accompany. Tokens or marks of separation or proofs of salvation will accompany the lives of the redeemed. Now, these verses, again, have been greatly misunderstood and misinterpreted by those who desire to have something more than the simple faith in Christ. Uh, there are many who want a token. They, they want some tangible sign that they're saved and that God's power rests upon them. And from these two verses have arisen many heretical movements and activities speaking in tongues and snake handling, drinking poison, faith healing, a fascination with demons, and other heretical notions that have been born because these two verses have been taken out of context and misapplied. The actions described in these verses refer to events that took place during the early days of the early church. When the Lord Jesus sent his disciples out with the gospel of grace, he authenticated his message through amazing displays of his power. And with the apostolic period coming to a close, that ended these miracles, and they ceased to function. Now, why did they cease? Well, I believe the answer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. These verses refer to that which is perfect. When that which is perfect has come, you must understand that the early church did not have the Bible like you have it. They didn't have the completed Word of God. Uh, before the end of the apostolic age, the New Testament had to be completed, and man could hold and read the very words of God. Man had a complete revelation of God's words to him, humanity and no longer needed the miracles to affirm the message. 
think for a moment with me is uh, every miracle mentioned by the Lord in these verses is found in the book of Acts except for one. One is... Um, no, I don't, I don't have it on there, but, but uh, just uh, remember that uh, casting out demons is in Acts chapter 8, chapter 6 and, and 19, speaking of tongues, uh, taking up serpents, uh, drinking deadly poison. Now, this was the only one not mentioned in Acts. An early church father named Eubiasus uh, said that Joseph Barsabbas uh, was chosen to take the place of Judas Iscariot, Iscariot and done this uh, during the course of his ministries, but that's, that's not mentioned in the book of Acts. And laying on hands for healing, that's in the book of Acts. In other words, this prophecy was literally fulfilled in the first century by the apostles. God worked these miracles through them to prove to the lost world that his word was true. Now, are there any of these miracles today? Well, is there a need for signs following today? Should we speak in tongues? Should we take up serpents and drink poison to prove that we've been saved? Is that how the Lord has chosen to reach the world today? I say no. The Bible says no. God has chosen to reach the world through preaching. And while God can do miracles and send signs to confirm his message, the greatest miracle in the world today is when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they get saved. That's the greatest miracle that, that can happen. And it, it was a miracle when it happened to you. He saved us and he set us apart. He's given us the sign of new life. The world saw the miracles of the apostles in the first century and they knew the message was from God. The world sees holiness and faith and simple obedience in the lives of the redeemed and knows that the message is from God. That's still the mark on those who are saved by grace. It's not a mark of some miraculous sign. It's a mark of a changed life. The Lord Jesus promises to authenticate those who are his, and he does this by changing their lives and recreating them. Now, as the Lord prepared to go to heaven, his mind was on his followers. He wanted them to be prepared for the day when they would have the responsibility of sharing his message with the world. So he gave them the great commission. He sent them out to tell the world. And the Lord's final thoughts here while he was here rested on this gospel of grace. Now look at verses 19 and 20. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word of with signs following. Amen. Here Mark skips 40 days in one statement. He jumps all the way from the day of resurrection to the day of Pentecost, all the way to the day when Jesus ascended back into heaven. Now we might think that the ascension of Jesus back into heaven was just a minor event. It didn't have very much importance. importance. But in truth, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ back into heaven is one of the most important components of our faith. The ascension of Jesus was an amazing event. It opened the door of that city for all uh, the redeemed to follow. It allowed the Holy Spirit to descend to fill and thrill the saints of God. It put God's people to work on God's glory in the world. And so we need to thank God for the ascension. 
And Mark closes his book with this word, Amen. We often see the word, and the word, uh, it's a kind of a word of finality, isn't it? We close our prayers with it. We say it back when we heard something that we think is the final word on the matter. Uh, well, the word amen means let it be, or so be it, or so it is. And when Mark uses it, he's not ending the story of the Lord Jesus or of believers. When Mark says amen, he's saying let it be, and so it is. In other words, Mark is saying there's more to the story. It isn't over yet. And it still isn't over yet, is it? Now, the Lord Jesus is in heaven. He's seated at the Father's right hand. He's still praying for the people of God as we serve him in this world. But the Spirit of God is still confirming the preaching of the Word of God by saving lost souls and changing redeemed lives. Listen, Christians are still here to tell the lost world. The story is not ending. We're still here. We still have a, a job to do. You're still here. Now, either you're here lost, need to be saved, or you're redeemed. It should be telling the lost about Jesus. So what does this his ascension mean for you? If you're lost, it means you need to come to him to be saved. If you're saved, it means you need to commit yourself to a life of service. And so the gospel is still the single most important issue in the world today. You're, uh, you are impacted by the gospel whether you understand that or not. In truth, you stand on one side of the gospel or the other this morning. I trust that as God speaks to our hearts, even in this simple message, the requirement for saints, the responsibility of the sinner, and the recognition of his servants, that God will do a work and will do a work for him as well. Let's pray.